When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining me and hope you're all doing well out there in Bulls Nation. We're only 48 hours away from the trade, dead, trade deadline closing, so I'm coming back at you guys to talk trades and basically any other Bulls news out that's floating around out there. So, And then joining me today to, to talk Bulls and the deadline is my old friend, Morton Jensen. Morton, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, my friend. How are you? Doing well, doing well. It's always exciting this time of year when the trade rumors are sort of floating around, whether it's your team or not. Or not. It's always a fun time to be an <laughs> NBA fan. And at this point, with the Bulls looking like being sellers, it's probably extra fun. Yeah. No, it's always lovely to see a team just nuke itself. It's at least entertaining, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely entertaining. Hopefully, um, hopefully it's not too much of a nuke jog, but hopefully they are just sell off the pieces that they don't necessarily need. And that's what they've been rumored to doing. So what I plan on doing today is just going through some of the names that will be on the block for the Chicago Bulls and then just talking about some other some other interesting ideas that maybe the Bulls can entertain. We can get into some, um, some fantasy type ideas from our side. I know you definitely love doing that. So I've got a few questions from some listeners that have definitely come up with some interesting theories that I'm sure you'll love going through. So mm. we'll go through all the players that are on the block on the block, as well as answering some uh, listener questions that I did get through about the trade deadline. So uh, let's rip into it. Let's start with Robin Lopez. So he's probably, like, well, he's definitely the biggest name in terms of stature, but uh, he's uh, also one of the, the, the main pieces that I guess the Bulls will be looking to move at the trade deadline. Mm. Casey Johnson sort of reporting that talks between teams or rival teams and the Bulls around Lopez have sort of in- intensified, which I find interesting. How, how do you feel about this? Do you, do you think it's likely that Robin Lopez gets moved at all? I was kind of I was kind of shocked personally to see, you know, reports being floated out there that trade talks have intensified. Well, before I answer that, I have a question because I did not catch last night's Bulls game, and I'm looking at the box score. See, he only played 13 minutes. Did he go out with an injury, 
Or was he pulled no. up? No, no. I was going to mention this after, but he may have played his ball last balls game, and the reason for that is he got ejected. He picked up two techs pretty much, oh. and uh, got thrown out of the game. Actually, he just crossed the line, got that white, crossed the line, and got that white line fever, and just went nuts and started berating the refs, Joakim Noah style, back to 2014. If Bulls fans can remember back in 2014, Joakim Noah storming the court there against the Kings, pointing at the refs and getting thrown mm-hmm. out. It was sort of a similar scene there with Robin Lopez. Got oh, very, very okay. angry and um, got tossed out of the game. And that pretty much uh, enabled the Bulls to to lose the game because they were up by 21 at one point. But after the second half, the, the, the tank was in and they couldn't get it done without Lopez. So that may have been his biggest achievement as a Bull. See, <laughs> that even without his playing, legacy. he's helping them. He's that well, good of a guy. Well, definitely he's just a completely uh, a team guy and it's one of the reasons why I want to keep him he's, a, he's very much a team guy but mm. his last game as a bull may have been against the Kings and if he goes out in that fashion getting ejecting and ejected and helping the Bulls win that or lose that game I should say against the lowly Kings and that's a pretty nice legacy oh he should get a statue that's oh, that's I, amazing I, <laughs> funny you say that because I joked about that on Twitter they should oh. uh, be putting a out a, uh, a a statue at the front of UC for Robin Lopez for um, potentially helping the tank there, but um, just his hair. It, yeah, maybe just put a wig on the Jordan statue or something like that. Um, just getting back to Robin Lopez though, right. and the I guess the fact that he may be a trade candidate. Do, do you buy these rumors at all that he will be moved? I'm I've been pretty adamant that the Bulls won't move him, but. I'll be surprised if they do. And but having said that, there there is talk about the Bulls potentially doing it. Do you, th- do you yeah. think it goes down? I well, I think they're gonna try to make it go down simply because he is a difference maker. Um, mm-hmm. Teams are or not teams, sorry, fans are looking at Robin Lopez. They're looking at his numbers and they're going, "Oh, he can't be a, a major difference maker. He's just one of those." A additional glue guys, whatever we won't miss him. Yada yada yada. Well, you know, fact is, and as you pointed out, Robin is really essential to these bulls. Um, so he's one of those guys who can actually turn a game around just by doing all the dirty work and doing all the things that don't show up in a stat sheet. And I think teams know this. And I think if you're a team out there who's looking to bolster your front court a little bit, and you may have a bad contract. Uh, but you're willing to move it for a, let's say, a late first or a couple seconds or whatever. I don't think he may, I, I don't know if he fetches that much, but I think they'd be intrigued. Um, I had this, I had a similar conversation about this very briefly on Twitter with Mark Deeks. And, you know, as Deeks pointed out correctly, uh, as well as, you know, you can't mimic a Nikola Meritich trade with Robin Lopez simply because the return probably isn't there. Nico is just that much more of a better player, really. So it depends. What are you going to get for Lopez? If you the Bulls could increase the worth if they're willing to take on a deal that goes a year further, such as Jan Mahinmi. But I don't think that it would be in their interest to do so. So they would probably probably settle for a similar deal for a worse player and then a second rounder, which you know I. I I guess it's okay. Uh, personally, I think it would be nice to see them get a little bit more. But if the market isn't there, it isn't there. And right now, you are going all in the tank. So I would do it in a pinch. Yeah, and I mean to your point as well. If you look at the 
the top of the standings and you think about teams that may be looking at a big man uh, to acquire at the, at the trade deadline, there's not a lot of them that really need centers. So the Bulls will be hoping for a first-round pick for Robin Lopez. And really, the only the only first-round pick that you're going to get for him is one likely to be late in the, in, the, um, in the first round there. So if you look at those teams towards the top of the standings, not really mm. teams that are looking for a traditional lumbering center that sort of drops back on pick and roll, can really pr- protect the rim, but doesn't really space the floor, can't really guard out high, these sorts of things. So... He doesn't necessarily fit what teams are chasing for in terms of player, and he's he's not exactly the cheapest guy around. Guy going around from a contract perspective. So, right. combining all that, everything you've said and everything I've just noted there, that's to me why, if I logically think about it, I don't really see a trade going down with Robin Lopez. So I'm kind of mystified a bit as to why why this trade talks between the Bulls and and Lopez is sort of going somewhere if it does at all. So we'll see. Who knows what will happen, but um, I'm not I'm not predicting he will be moved in. But uh, you know, stranger things have happened. But mm. one one ball that I do think could be moved, or at least in my opinion, is probably the most sought after ball, or should be, is Justin Holiday. So yeah. to me, he's kind of redundant on this Bulls team in the sense that he's on a two year deal, including the season we're playing at the moment. So only one year after this deal. He's a guy that can come in and shoot threes. He shoots about 37% from three, so just above league average. And he can defend a bit. And given he's a wing, you've got those skill sets, that's a player teams want. And that's actually a player teams looking to bolster their playoff rotation may be interested in. So I'm surprised there hasn't been more chatter about Justin Holiday. Do, Do you think he gets moved at all? Yeah, I think him and Lopez are just the two strongest candidates for the Bulls at this point. Um, Justin Holiday, I've been personally invested in seeing going to OKC because I kind of want to see OKC get a complete starting lineup in there and they need a shooting guard who can play both sides of the court and Holiday fits in pretty well there. Uh, I think you and I spoke about this at some point where we had kind of a tough time figuring out like what's the worth for Holiday? Like what can you realistically get? And I'm still not sure. Like, are we talking about maybe San Antonio's pick at 26? Is that too high for him? Is he going for a second rounder? It, it, the thing is, like, when you look at his line, you go, oh, well, that, you know, teams are probably not going to pay a whole lot for that. But then you factor in what you just said, which is completely accurate, that teams are in need of wings. Wings have become sort of a, a, a hot commodity in the NBA because there aren't so many of them anymore. So does that increase the worth to the point where the Bulls could maybe fetch a first late first-round draft pick for him? I think it's all about gauging his worth. I don't know where you land on on his worth. Is he worth a, a first, or is he just a clear-cutty second-rounder worth? He's probably worth closer to a second-rounder, a decent second-rounder, something around the 35 mark. Mm. But again, if there's if there's teams trying to find a competitive advantage and maybe you can get a couple buyers sort of leveraging against each other, mm. maybe the pools can drum up a you know a twenty eighth pick or something like that. The Golden State Warriors are reportedly trying to bolster their bench ahead of the uh, ahead of the the trade deadline here. So I do wonder if there's a scenario where the Bulls can sort of take on maybe a Nick Young or, or someone that's not really contributing like that to, to the Warriors, and maybe they send back their first-round pick, which is going to be the 30th pick in the draft, mm. pretty close to a second-round pick, 
maybe they would be interested in that. Obviously, they've got a history with Justin Holiday. He was part of their, their title team, I think their first title team. So they know him. He fits definitely with what they do. So maybe that's the best case scenario in terms of getting Justin Holiday for a first. Like it would, it would be literally the last pick in the first because yeah. I think he's more scheduled to go for that second rounder. I think you're right. And Golden State is intriguing. He's he's had a history with Golden State. He's played there Definitely. before, which yeah. means that he's, he's a known commodity in Golden State. Um, which again, and the means Bulls and Warriors obviously have a, a history, a recent history of doing deals together. They do, which is <laughs> unfortunate for the Bulls, but great for the Warriors. Um, yes. And also, I, I mean, look, this is sort of a joke and it's still not at the same time. I'm also kind of, if I'm a Bulls fan, I'm a little bit worried about attaining second rounders or acquiring second rounders because they're not attained. Like they're traded away in bigger deals all the time. The Bulls are just giving those up like candy. Um, You're looking at the pick that they gave up to OKC in the McDermott Taj Gibson trade. That went to New York, which is right now slotted to be like number 36. That is essentially, if we were looking at last year as well with the Jordan Bell pick, which was 38th, right? Those are very early second rounders. You could even argue, at least last year when it was a deep draft, it was a pseudo first rounder, like a very late pseudo first rounder. And when I'm looking at, at again, this year, the Bulls are giving up what could be the 36th pick or even higher, assuming, you know, they drop down even more, which we are expecting them to do. That adds up. I mean, really, it does. That's giving up a lot of unnecessary talent really potential talent so if the bulls are to acquire a second rounder i would want to to somehow see them just keep it really and go okay we're we're all in on this draft thing because it just seems like they don't care about second rounders yeah and i would agree with that and i had a nice long rant about that on the last podcast after they they obviously included that second round pick in the Miritich trade, so the, the the second round pick that you were referencing there, the the thirty six pick, which is currently slated to dra- or be drafted at, that was obviously included as part of the Cameron Payne trade to OKC, which mm. the Knicks now own when OKC traded Mallow or traded for Mallow, I should say. So they sent that pick to New York. So obviously the Bulls have a history of sending out second rounders, but at the same time, whilst that is true. If the return for Justin Holiday is a decent second and maybe a not so decent second, then you still have to do that. Obviously, yeah. I would have concerns about the Bulls not necessarily valuing that pick or doing anything substantive with that pick. But at the same time, if that's his value and that's the correct play to make, then you've got to do it, irrespective yeah. if we are, if we like to joke around the, and, and the Bulls, you know, having a history of dealing these second rounders, you still got to do it if that's the right deal. Mm. I agree. By the way, I have I have sort of a funny proposition here. Um, so we both know Jimmy Butler pretty well in terms of how he is as a player, and I I I kind of got a funny idea last night, which was I'm not I haven't been impressed by Minnesota's point guard play, and Justin Holiday could swing in and kind of take over Jimmy's spot in the rotation, and Jimmy could move to point. I think there would be enough ball handling for Jimmy and having Tyus Jones and Jeff Teague as some sort of super sub off the bench um, to go around. Would would that be intriguing for Minnesota at all? Would they be willing to give up like a protected first round pick? Maybe not the the one this year because that's going to OKC. Regard no, wait a second, it's from OKC. 
so Minnesota is is currently slotted to have it at 21. But let's say OKC gets better during the course of the season and it lands in like the 23, 24 range. Could that be intriguing? I, I don't know. And and it's hard to say because we, we don't know, I guess, the pressure on Tibbs necessarily to win and whether Tibbs values second or you know late first rounders himself. Right. He obviously acquired one future first round pick for for rookie Ricky Rubio which mm. I believe is the pick that they're getting from OKC which the Jazz had they're giving away their first round pick to the Atlanta Hawks which is the 25th pick at the moment so they've sort of got one coming in one coming out so it's hard to say whether they would want to give away one of those picks and maybe if they had both available they'd be more tempted to do so but I'd still say it's probably too high of a pick to give mm. up for for someone like Justin Holiday, even though he does make a lot of sense to that rotation. Yeah, you're probably right. We are looking at like the absolute late twenties for early thirties. Definitely. And and yeah. like a team like Toronto and Houston, they don't actually own their first rounder. So Toronto will be seven sending their pick to Brooklyn and Houston mm. will be sending theirs to Atlanta. So Thinking about those teams that will be receiving those late first, they're probably not ones that actually would want Justin Holiday. They're, they're obviously lottery teams that don't necessarily, necessarily have a need for someone like Justin Holiday. So I can't imagine them actually trading that late first for someone like Holiday. So I think it's more likely he goes for a second round pick if he goes at all. But it's potentially, like you said, maybe Holiday and Lopez can be packaged up together. Maybe that changes the changes the value proposition of a trade. Potentially, but, yeah, yeah, potentially. But I, I don't. I probably don't see it to be honest with you. But um, look, I've got a first question here from a listener, and I guarantee you, I'm going to screw up his last name because it's yeah. a Portuguese last name, and I have a history of blowing them on this port on this podcast. I always stuff them up, but uh. Let me let me give this a go. So this one comes in from Bruno Guimarães. How did that? How did that go, Mort? Was was uh, that I, close? I'm not sure, but it sounded good. So I'm just it gonna sounded, go. It sounded good enough. It sounded good. It sounded so I'm good just enough. gonna go all in and say I think you did well, Mark. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I nailed it. So let me yep. know, Bruno. But um, Bruno asks he's got a question in relation to to Robin Lopez, and he asks if the Bulls should trade Lopez. Should they try to develop Lowry as a center? So this is an interesting one. and uh, I've got an opinion on it, but I uh, thought I would get your take first. Yeah, that's interesting. I've seen that take a lot. Um, and a lot of people are just, you know, Lowry is going to be a center regardless. Like, that's his, he's destined to become like a, a new age center. I, I don't know where I stand on that, honestly. It really depends entirely on who you have at the four, I think. Uh, I, I don't think you can look at it in a vacuum like that. Um, I, I really dig him as a power forward, really, if you, especially if you... Like, let's say you end up with the second pick and you get a guy like DeAndre Ayton in there at center. You know, then, then he, to me, that's a wonderful, very big front line who is still agile enough to shoot threes and run the court and all that, so the size wouldn't be a problem, which means that I would definitely lean in that scenario to Laurie becoming or remaining a power forward. But if you get like a a super power forward in there, I don't know who that is. It's not Marvin Bagley, folks. Let me just tell you that right off the bat. But if you get like a superb power forward and you, you can slide Laurie to center for stretches at least, I, do, I don't think he's defensively strong enough to play that position. Or, or, well, he is strong, but I mean, 
you know, good enough defensively to play it. That could be taught, however. So I'm not sure where I land on it. I do think if if you put a gun to my head, I would look at him as a power forward moving forward. I think that's a fair take. And, and to add to what you've sort of said there, it'll, it'll also come down to Larry Markkinen. Mm. And what I mean by that is, I mean, most people were sort of projecting Anthony Davis to slide over to center at some point and be a full-time center. Oh, good point. And the reason he hasn't done it is because he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And the reason why the Pelicans have sort of consist- are consistently invested in big centers to put next to him is because Davis has been reluctant to be a full-time four. So who knows how marketing will feel about being a full-time center going forward. But if Anthony Davis feels that way, then yeah. maybe Larry Markkinen may feel the same way. Uh, the other thing to consider, which you mentioned before around, you know, that, that that big man position and, you know, really trending or, you know, potentially landing someone like DeAndre Aiden, and then that would, I guess, pigeonhole Larry Markkinen into being mm-hmm. a starting power forward. Something you also have to consider is how the game is trending. Will it also continue to trend even smaller? Like, will, will a guy like Markkinen have to be a five because eventually at, at one point, all power forwards will be smaller guys. Like maybe that's something to consider, but we don't know the answer to that question now. Mm. Maybe the league doesn't trend any smaller. It, it may, it may not. So I think when you combine all those factors, that is probably going to push Markkinen to play center in stretches for certain yeah. rotations. But is he going to be a full-time five, someone that the Bulls can count on or lock in as their full-time starter? Probably not. I definitely wouldn't say that's the case next season. I definitely wouldn't say that's the case without Lopez. I think Lopez has been hugely important for Markkinen's development. But I think that's something that hopefully the Bulls can develop him into. But it's, I don't think it's going to be something that Larry's going to be able to do full-time, at least at least on his rookie deal. We'll say yeah. that. I think that's but, a fair um, take. Yeah, well, but of course, you know, let's see if he, he proves us right or wrong. But uh, thanks for your question there, Bruno. Now, we've talked on, on Lopez and Justin Holiday. They're probably the two best Bulls players remaining on the block that may be moved. But they've also got some other smaller pieces that they may do some deals on. So we don't necessarily need to spend some, so much time on these. But I guess it has been reported. So we should talk about, mm. I guess, Tony Allen potentially being an option to be traded away. And right. it's been rumored that he may be headed towards the Oklahoma City Thunder. So you mentioned before that you'd like to see Justin Holiday there. I think that would be a good fit for Holiday, but they also may be interested in Tony Allen. And given that he hasn't played a game for the Bulls and likely won't if he's not traded, he probably won't go to OKC for much of a cost at all. Right, right. Um, It all depends, honestly, what you put into an expiring contract. Remember at the market for expiring deals were really slowing down a couple of years ago. Expiring contracts were just not worth a whole lot anymore. Now, because of the free agency bonanza in 2016, where teams overpaid and locked themselves in uh, to ridiculous degrees, uh, expiring contract has some worth again. Tony Allen is, is one, um, but I think it's a very small contract that he's on i don't remember the amount exactly do you have that in front of you i don't have it in front of me but i want to say it's a it's a minimum deal yeah right so that's yeah i have it right here it's 2.1 mil so that's essentially nothing i'm not sure what you can get you're it's probably just going to be one of those things where you get a similar expiring bag and maybe 
a second, like a heavily protected second rounder for your trouble. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I, if if the Bulls do move Tony Allen to OKC or anywhere else, it'll probably be for some crummy second round pick that'll have some huge protections on it that you probably won't get, mm. and you'll just be getting rid of him just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Um, the Bulls definitely won't be playing him on the roster, so it kind of makes sense just to get rid of him for the sake of it. And you can get, you know, if you can take a shot on a second round pick that may or may not con- convey to you, you may as well do it because you're going to waive him anyway. And I think the way this thing's going to play out with Tony Allen is a team like OKC that definitely needs someone who can defend on the perimeter after they've lost Andre Robinson. They will probably wait right until the end of the deadline to sort of field some other offers. Maybe they try to you know acquire someone like Avery Bradley or someone like that. They can sort of step yeah. in for Robeson for a little bit. And if they can't get that deal, then maybe they'll come to the Bulls right at the end and say, all right, we'll give you some heavily protected second for Tony Allen. So right. I wouldn't be expecting much for Tony Allen at all. And I sort of feel the same way about Jameer Nelson. So it's been reported that the Bulls, don't necessarily have an issue in keeping Jameer around. They they kind of like the idea of keeping him around. But I also figure if some team were to come calling for a second round pick and say and says to the Bulls, we need a backup point guard, we'll give you a decent second rounder, I think the Bulls would be more than welcoming oh, yeah. a trade for Jameer. How, do you, oh, how yeah. do you feel about that? I mean, if someone offers a second rounder for Jameer Nelson, you, you take that so quickly, it'll make everyone head spin. So... Definitely. Um, and if not, again, I'm, I actually agree with the Bulls. This is a weird day. Um, J- Jameer is, is is sort of like Robin Lopez at the point guard position. He's a veteran who knows the value of the game, who knows how to play the game, knows the value in teaching younger guys. I think Chris Dunn would benefit greatly from having Jameer around because right now his mentor is, is what, Jerry and Grant? <laughs> yeah. Or Cameron Payne, one of the two. Oh yeah, that's that's so much better. Good point, <laughs> <laughs> Professor Payne. That's Professor Payne. Uh, yeah, esteemed company. Yeah. So I mean, if there's a deal to be made where they can get, you know, where they can outright win the trade, obviously, like you do it, especially if you if you get a pick for it because picks are good, um, and the Bulls should get that memo at some point. But if not, I'm okay with Jameer sticking around. No problem. Yeah, me too. But uh, look, I don't think I don't think there's going to be much uh, substantive news around Jimmy Nelson. Nelson. If it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, then he'll be a piece that sits on the end of the bench there. But uh, mm. probably a minor move, Bulls fans. Probably nothing really to get excited about there. And same goes for Jerry and Grant. So he remains on the trade block. On the trade block, he's been on there for quite a few weeks. Doesn't look like there's many teams looking to buy Jerry and Grant, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And with the Bulls looking to invest in. Cameron Payne or, or trying to play Cameron Payne some um, some minutes once he gets back. So he will be returning through the G League very shortly. It would seem like the Bulls are pretty keen on moving on Grant. And uh, one of the listeners at Judgmental User from Twitter, interesting name. <laughs> Hopefully you're not too judgmental about this podcast and our takes on here. But um, he asks, with Cameron Payne coming back, and he puts uh, the word yuck in brackets here. <laughs> he asks, does that mean Jerrion is going to get dealt? And I think that's definitely what the Bulls are trying to do. Yep. But uh, do you think he gets dealt at all, Mort? Uh, that's that's difficult because he's 25 already. And yeah, he's pretty old. He's pretty old. And he's going into, what, his fourth season after, after this one? So. Yep. 
teams are going to look at him and go, oh, he's he's going to be well into his age 26 season uh, before we have to make a decision on his future, which is why, again, I'm just going to remind teams out there, seniors are not necessarily a good thing to draft, especially at that age. It's just not always going to become a good thing. Um, if you have a chance for a freshman, do it. There's more potential, and he will have more trade value down the line. It's just an age thing. Having said that, yeah, I I do think that he is... I think they're trying as hard as you mentioned like to trade him. Whether they find a deal or not, that's really the big thing. Like, what would you put in terms of worth for Jerry? Like, there's no way in hell he's going to fetch a first rounder, and no. probably not even a early second rounder. So, are we looking for a pick in the forties? Maybe that's probably your best case. But I think right? more, you know, the the play here is probably is in inclusion in a deal. Yeah, maybe they include Grant in a trade for or with Justin Holiday or, or Robin Lopez or something like mm. that to sweeten the pie. They obviously don't have any seconds to, Does it to necessarily it second. Yeah, you could sell it as such. Probably doesn't sweeten <laughs> it that much. <laughs> Not really, but uh, you, you could sort of point to that, I guess, or try to try to negotiate it yeah. as, as, that's, as that way. But uh, yeah, it probably doesn't sweeten, the, sweeten I mean, the pie, to be honest with you. I always have this this team ready to to, men, to mention because they'll fix everyone and that's brooklyn? the spurs no the spurs oh. man i thought you were gonna say brooklyn no 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 i mean look they're actually getting there i have a feeling that they might get there but if you look at minnesota they have pick right now number 21 and number 55 like in a pinch would you do grant for 55 i guess like <laughs> Maybe, I, yeah. yeah, sure. Like, why not? Like, it's nothing that gets me excited at all. But it would no, be a trade. It would be a trade. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking that you know, or no, yeah. Sorry, that was that was the Minnesota. I think San Antonio has number twenty six and fifty six. Sorry, um, but fifty six then. So one pick later, like fifty six for for Jerry and Grant. I wouldn't be excited about it, especially considering the whole trade. Like he was a key part in the Derek Rose trade, which seems a little bit weird, but you know, those are the cards that you're dealt and 56 is like, you can get a, I, I'm guessing you can use the draft and stash method there. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But at 56, like I, I would probably keep Grant in that instance, to be honest with you. And, and hopefully um, maybe with another off season under his belt, he can sort of slide back into that second unit and develop into a capable backup point guard, which I think he has been for most of this season. He's really struggled any time he's been asked to be a starter. And unfortunately, throughout his Bulls career, there's been times where he's had to be a starter. And it's quite clear that he's not a starting point guard. It's debatable whether he's a point guard at all, but he he's, he's definitely a bench piece. And I think he can be an okay bench piece. So I don't necessarily have a problem keeping Grant. I know a lot of Bulls fans don't like Grant because, because like I said, he's been asked to do too much and he's often failed. And, and that, I guess, carries a negative uh, a negative connotation when you hear the word Jerry and Grant. But I think he's still got something that the Bulls can maybe develop into. But if it's for a pick 55 or a 56 or something like that, I probably don't do that deal, to be honest with you. Mm. No, I get that. So, it really depends on what you prefer at at the point guard position. Chris Dunn is the starter moving forward. 
So the the thing is, would you rather have Cameron Payne or Jerrion Grant as your backup? Because that right now is is the play. At that, I mean, if if we're looking at it through that that lens, then yeah, to me, Jerrion Grant is is the backup point guard as well because Payne has shown us nothing so far. Obviously, he's been injured, so that's that's not necessarily his fault. But when he played last year, it was really bad. Um, I think this season is going to determine it, really, because if Payne is, is going to come back soon and he plays significantly better and he proves that he was, oh, okay, you know, he had some worth to him and he's able to hit the three ball at a higher volume and at a higher clip than Grand is or, or Grand is capable of, yeah, then it becomes a debate at the very least. But you can't run with all three, so... no. You can't, and particularly yeah. if you keep Nelson around, or even looking in oh, the off season yeah. to add another veteran point guard, yep. can't carry that many point guards, and they'll they'll definitely need to consolidate. But I think Jerry Grant being on the block says more about the Bulls wanting to have a look at Cameron Payne than it does Jerry and Grant. I think if they had taken a look at Cameron Payne this season, and if he was playing poorly, mm. then I think he's the one on the block. But Probably luckily, luckily for him, he hasn't played, and I guess there is still some mystique around what he potentially could be, uh, for whatever is reason. There? <laughs> well, to, to the Bulls front office, it appears. Oh, there okay, is, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fair well, enough. I guess I should stipulate that part, but um, I think it's, that's why Grant is on the block. But anyways, look, that's probably too much time about Jerry and Grant. I don't think he gets nude, but yeah. Again, we will, we shall see. Stranger things. We should have a two-minute limit. Whenever we're discussing Jerry, yeah, Grant. I was probably bad on my part. I should have cut you off long, yeah, long before you're a that. Bad but, uh, host. Look, I ranted myself, but yeah. uh, anyways, let's move along to something definitely more interesting, and let's talk about another 25-year-old. And I'm talking about Rodney Hood here. So it was reported earlier today, my time at least, that the Bulls were one of three teams that were interested in trading for Rodney Hood. So that was reported there by Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune. So the Bulls are one one team that are interested in Hood. And I certainly have an opinion on this. I wrote some words about it on Bulls HQ earlier today. I'm not a big fan of going after someone like Rodney Hood. But uh, again, I would, I would like to hear your thoughts on it before I start ranting about it. So um, Brian Toporek and I who run the NBA podcast, where you've been on a couple of times at least, uh, we discussed Rodney Hood here in a recent episode, and we kind of agreed that you know his name is intriguing mostly because he's he's young and he's productive, but when you dig into the numbers, he's primarily just a scorer. He's he's a six eight wing and he's a bad rebounder. He's not a strong playmaker. His defense is so so. It's gotten a little bit better. I will give him that. But he is primarily a, a shooter slash field scorer. He doesn't get to the line a whole lot. So what you get is essentially, from a statistical standpoint, something very similar and perhaps a little bit inferior to Zach Levine. Where you go, okay, so let's assume the Bulls trade for Rodney Hood. Then you have two guys in Hood and Levine who are uh, overwhelming scorers, but they are not a whole lot more. They're not strong defenders. Uh, to Zach Levine's credit, he's become a, a much better rebounder this year than he was previously. So I can't knock him for that. But I can't ask, you know, I can't question whether it's sustainable or not. If it turns out not to be, because it it's still a pretty small sample size. If it turns out he's just on a hot streak on the on the glass, and that is not something that's going to continue, um, 
then you'll have two guys who aren't great rebounders, despite having decent size from size and athleticism from their positions. And Levine can play make a little bit, but he's not this type of point guard that Minnesota for a while thought that he was. And Roddy Hood is in the same boat. He's not a playmaker. So then you have these two scorers who does nothing else really but score. And both are going to look at contract extensions for this upcoming summer. To me, that's not an, an, an optimal situation to be in. No, and I tend to agree. And a question from a listener out there on Twitter. So at Killerside asks the very poignant question. Should the Bulls trade for Hood? And if they do, do you think we can sign him to a decent deal, something in the range of four years to 40 to 44 million? Do you think the Bulls should trade for him? And based on what you said, it's probably, you know, probably not leaning that way. But if they do happen to do mm-hmm. that deal, do you think they, if they do trade for him, can they retain him for a decent price? I mean, you you would have to to ask his agent. Honestly, uh, I I think he I think Hood is looking at his per thirty six numbers. Honestly, because he's averaging sixteen and a half points in twenty eight minutes, which is good offensive production. So in his mind and in his agent's mind, uh, with starter minutes, he's a twenty point scorer, and that's that's fair logic to use, especially in contract negotiations. So that will be the argument. And that's worth more in today's league than $11 million a year, especially because the cap spike and all. And the thing is, it only takes one team in a restricted free agency market to, to come up with a bad deal. And if, if that guy signs it, you know, then you're screwed. I'm not sure the Bulls could keep him around for 10 to $11 million a year. If they could, then that's a deal I would pursue. But I think what's also important to to note here is teams have the have sort of an idea, like a ballpark idea, before they trade for guys, because there's this idea that teams don't talk to agents before the summer. That's bull. Let's just get that out of the way immediately. Teams are talking to agents like now and trying to figure out, okay, what are you what are you guys sort of looking for in the summer like what what's the ballpark because we may have to clear more cap space whatever they're trying to position themselves for certain players so you might have internally with the bulls an idea of what rodney hood is going to ask for this coming summer and if that number is way too high then they shouldn't if that number turns out to be a price they're willing to pay and it objectively is a decent price tag then sure, why not? But he does have to come at the right price. I think his trade value is pretty low right now, given that he is an upcoming free agent as well. So you could probably get him. The thing is, do you want to keep him and at what price? Look, you pretty much stole my thunder there. A lot of, a lot of what I was going to say, you already mentioned there. So in terms of my opinion of whether the Bulls should be trading for him, I probably wouldn't trade for him, even if you can get him back for a good number. Because for the exact reasons Morton mentioned there, he, he probably has too many similarities to Zach Levine. And I don't necessarily like the idea of having two similar wings at shooting guard and small forward and having to pay them both in the same offseason. I think if one of those guys was still on their rookie deal and you could sort of keep one around like that, then maybe you, you, you make that trade for Hood. But given that they're both high-volume scorers that don't necessarily fill up the box score outside of scoring, yeah, I'm probably not I'm not really interested. 
And, and, and on Hood, he's, he's a guy that does score like Morton mentioned. He can shoot well from three. He's shooting about 37% from three over his career, which is a good number. I think it's up oh, yeah. around 39% this season. So he's shooting the three ball well, but only averaging like 2.9 rebounds and 1.6 assists. So he's not someone that can create. And we've seen how bad the Bulls have been without Chris Dunn. The fact that they don't have really any creators outside of Dunn. And if for whatever reason, if he was to miss time next season, and you have Levine out and Hood out there trying to, I guess, create offense but can only do it for themselves, it creates a bit of a problem. And another thing to also consider is that you potentially are reducing your cap flexibility in future years. And we know the Chicago Bulls love touting the word flexibility. And I'm not sure if that would necessarily be thrilled about, I guess, going after someone like Hood and paying him. And then having to pay Levine and potentially missing out on that free agent race. So that's the things the Bulls need to consider, but we'll, we'll see if they do this deal. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they don't, but yep. we'll see. But um, another question for you, Mort, here from one of the listeners. So from Felipe Carvel Hayes, another Portuguese name that I've certainly butch- uh, butchered here. Um, and Felipe asks, could the Bulls' interest in Hood have anything to do with maybe a Levine trade being explored? What, what do you yeah. feel about that one? First of all, I think it's Carvel Yes. Carvel Yes, okay. Yes, I, I think it's with a J sound instead of an H sound. And could you repeat the question? Because I was looking through our Twitter conversation in regards to how to pronounce his name. God damn, you weren't even listening. Yeah. I was, so. <laughs> I was sort of, but I, I, I thought attention. it was very poor. I think it was very important to get this name correctly because we have been butchering names. Yeah, fair point, fair point. But uh, Felipe asks. Could the Bulls' interest in Hood have anything to do with maybe a Levine trade being explored? Oh, now see, now he's singing my tune because remember what I said last time I was was on this podcast that if you could get a decent first rounder this year for Levine at the deadline, which I don't think you can at this point. There's just there's not enough data on him. The fact that he's coming up for for a new contract is going to diminish his value. But I would at least go all in on that because I'm all in for the draft, 2018 draft. Okay, um, no, I think the Bulls are in love with Levine. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they they look at him as the big piece in the Jimmy Butler trade, right or wrong. And because of that, I think they have a, I don't want to say emotional attachment to him, but they, they do have some sort of idea that they need to validate that trade and thus keep Sack around. Yeah, again, I agree. Um, the Bulls have pretty much come out and said that they're keeping him. Levine has pretty much come out and said he wants to be a Chicago Bull. He wants to be the face of this franchise. And again, getting back to what you just said there, the way they sort of position this thing from a PR perspective after the Jimmy Butler trade, he was the main known commodity in that Butler trade. I guess the mm. trade was centered around Zach Levine and having him walk in free agency and losing him in free agency, I think that would be a bad look that the Bulls don't necessarily want to take, even if it even if it takes overpaying Levine. I think they'd prefer to do that than sort of letting him walk away for nothing. So I, th- I think the Bulls' interest here in Hood isn't necessarily to do with exploring Levine trade. I mean, we can debate the, the, the merits about doing that. I don't think they should be trading him because because I don't think they'll be getting anything well worth it in return. But I think the interest in Hood doesn't really have much to do with 
I guess their disinterest in Levine. I think they would uh, would like to pair the two, even yep. though I don't necessarily agree with that. So, um, but uh, we shall see again. But um, so that hopefully that answers your question there, Felipe. But it sounds like me and you, Mort, were not necessarily too high on Rodney Hood as an option. But what I, what this uh, report about Rodney Hood started getting me thinking about was. There's quite a few guys from the 2014 draft who are currently restricted free agents that yeah. haven't got an extension from their team and are probably entering in the free agency period at probably the wrong time. There's not going to be a lot of money out there in this free agency period. So I was thinking about, in, in conjunction with this Hood report, if there's any, I guess, worthwhile candidate that hasn't received an extension from the 2014 draft that maybe the Blues should target and maybe look to re-sign. Um, so we've obviously, we've spoken about Rodney Hood and the, you know, the, the merits of trading for him and re-signing him, but there's guys like Marcus Smart and Alfred Payton and, and even oh, former no bull, Joseph, uh, Yusuf Nurkic rather. Yeah. And maybe even someone like Julius Randle. They're guys from the 2014 draft that are on the block potentially, and they haven't received extensions from their current team. They will be restricted for agents. Do you think there's any merit at all in trading for any of those names? Not really. And I just want to clarify because I laughed a little bit when you started mentioning the 2014 draft. I, It's because I had a similar point to make about the, the 14 draft. A lot of There's a reason why a lot of these names are up in, in both rumor mills and you're kind of looking at, at the contracts some of them signed and you're going, what? Because when you look at it, you have three guys from that class who are very highly touted. You had Andrew Wiggins, Rodney Hood, and Zach Levine, all of whom, uh, two of whom, I should say, looking for new deals this coming summer. One who's already signed, Wiggins. And the three of them are in a very similar boat, aren't they? Scorers primarily, not necessarily world beaters efficient-wise. Not strong rebounders, not strong playmakers. Pretty pigeonholed in at a certain role. So it's looking over that draft again, you you find people who are, you know, decent, but there there isn't that one guy that sticks out where you just go, oh yeah, oh yeah, this this is the guy. Like you have you have gems. I mean, you have Aaron Gordon, you have Gary Harris, you have those type of guys. Julius Randle, who I could sort of get behind being a gem. Clint Capella as well, but you don't have those guys who are just world beaters. So. If you're looking at the 2014 draft and looking for potential targets, I think you should like go way down the list and see if you can find some of the youngest guys drafted and go, okay, who did not get minutes? Oh, by the way, I should mention Nikola Jokic, by the way, coming from that draft. I forgot. Um, because you need to find someone who has been not really explored. Uh, a lot of these guys are a little bit older. You kind of know what they are because now it's four years later. So many of them have like sort of established who they're going to be in this league. And so I'm going to turn it a little bit back to you. Do you think there's a guy in the draft from that draft right now who we've seen plenty of where you go, oh, he's got another layer in him? Because personally, I, I don't. Not from, I mean, I do with those guys like, you know, Nikola Jokic, obviously. But those guys are going to be locked up. They're not going to be available. So if you look at the guys who are available, is there one guy who sticks out to you? Go, oh, oh, that guy has another has another tier to reach. Definitely, definitely. And you oh. stole my thunder again slightly. You mentioned his name, and I was gonna leave this to as a, as a separate topic, but I'm glad you brought it up. And that name for me is definitely Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. 
So I've got two questions for you around Aaron Gordon from listeners out there. So the first one comes from uh, Furious Jeff on Twitter. Mm. He asks, thoughts on a potential Aaron Gordon move to the Bulls, assuming you can move Markin into the five? And then as a follow-up to that question, I've got another mm. one here from Hank Hill on Astrid. That's a nice Twitter name. Um, Given Gordon's contractual status, what kind of trade would you consider for fair for both teams? So... I was hoping you weren't going to mention Aaron Gordon because I wanted to slide that in there and you know be really crafty about it. But um, let's talk about Aaron Gordon now because he may potentially be on the block. He's yeah. he definitely didn't receive an extension. There's a new management team there in Orlando, and given that you know they are a new management team, they might be exploring an option there of trading Aaron Gordon. He's a very good player, averaging 18 points, 8 rebounds, having a breakout year. His shooting has certainly improved. His three-point yep. shooting's up to 35% this season. And it's amazing what can happen when you play the player in their right position. So he's now in power forward and he's thriving there. So I'm all in on chasing Aaron Gordon if the price is right. And I love the idea of pairing him with Larry Markkinen and yep. you know Chris Dunn and Zach Levine. If you want to talk young athletic, that is a young and athletic team. And maybe most importantly, Aaron Gordon is still young. He's actually younger than Chris Dunn and Zach Levine. So he's only 22. So mm. I love this idea of trying to acquire Aaron Gordon and how are you thinking about this, and and how do you answer these two questions here from um, from Jeff and Hank? First of all, let's assume the Bulls do trade for Aaron Gordon, and then they get the second pick in the draft, and they take DeAndre Aiden. That's going to be an Arizona front line. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. So there'll be some synergy there. They'll probably work pretty well alongside each other because they know a previous system, and thus have an understanding of how they operate. So, but that's kind of besides the point. That was just a little fun notion there. Um, I I think the the market for Gordon. I I could be wrong. I thought he was going into it when you know, I heard that he was on the block. I thought Denver because I think in Denver he would just make so much sense. So yeah, I created I yeah I created a trade package and I presented that to Mark Deeks as well because Deeks is kind of my go to guy when when I'm checking trades and. He he was kind of like you are overrating Gordon's trade value right now, like by a lot mm-hmm. because I threw the kitchen sink at Gordon because I thought that was the, that was going to be Denver's move, you know that their their Kyrie move. Um, but the thing is, I mean, he's looking at a a new contract, so because of that, his value is going to go down, and obviously, he's also. He we he was tried at at the at the three at small forward which didn't work out so he's kind of limited to one position as well that lowers his value additionally so it it depends I mean I don't know exactly where his trade value is at but I know that it's a little bit less than what I proposed which I would I build a, a package surrounding Trey Lyles and uh, Malik Beasley and potentially a first rounder. With the and Kenan Farid with the potential to take Aaron Gordon and uh, Bismack Biombo back because then it would lower Gordon's value. Like if you were willing to take Bismack Biombo back in a trade, then you could argue, oh, okay, then we can get Gordon a little bit cheaper because you take on a bad deal. And the the reaction I got to that was, oh, you're overpaying, you're significantly overpaying, which I thought was interesting because that means you can probably get him for for a package that makes some sort of sense if you're the Bulls. 
what that package should be? Not sure yet. I mean, when you look over the Bulls' assets and in terms of where the Magic are, you can't really mix and match because you don't know what the Magic are doing. Given that they want Gordon not out of there, but given that they're considering moving Gordon, is that because they want to hit the restart button again? Or is it because they actually want veterans? Like, we don't know where that new direction is because Rob Hennigan is no longer there. So it depends on what Orlando is looking for. It depends on what the Bulls are willing to give up for Gordon specifically. It And you also have to factor in that Gordon and Levine being extended at the same point at, or re-signed by the same summer, like, you would have to pigeonhole those two in long term. And it also means a significant amount of cap space goes away for future acquisitions. So you have to be damn sure that he's your guy. And if you are not, if you're just on the fence about it, you shouldn't trade for him because you're going to lock yourself up. So I don't know where they stand on Aaron Gordon. I agree with you. I think he's amazing. I think he's awesome. I do think he has that other tier to reach. But I don't know what the deal is. I just don't know what the deal is. What do you give up? Like you, you're not giving up Markinen because the idea is to pair those two guys. You're not giving up the 2018 pick because that might actually be number one. Like, what do you give up? Where is the additional value coming from? Yeah, and that's what exactly what I, that was my point. I love the idea of of, a, of acquiring Gordon. I love pairing him with Don Levine and Markkinen. But what what it's going to cost, just because the Bulls don't really have anything else that will probably tempt Orlando to making a deal, it's, it's probably going to cost their first-round pick this year, the, the 2018 Bulls pick. It's not going to be the Pelicans pick. It'll prob- the Orlando will probably come calling for that Bulls pick, and the Bulls should not trade their pick for Aaron Gordon. Nope. So I don't think there is a deal that exists that is fair for both teams, unfortunately, there, Hank. And um, whilst I love the idea of pairing... Gordon with Mark and Jeff. I don't think the deal exists as much as I wanted to, unfortunately. But um, I just love the idea of pairing Gordon with with this young bull squad. And oh, I've yeah. seen it mentioned on Twitter, and I'm, I'm, I, was, I was very glad to see these questions come through around Gordon because it's just one of those fantasy topics that I like thinking about personally. But unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be a bull as much. I'd love to see it because I don't think there's really any fair deal to be had between these teams. But um, well, hang on then. Well, there here we might go. Be, there might be one. No, no, but I'm looking at, you know, let's let's just let's play it out a little bit. Okay. The Bulls, let's say the Bulls get a high pick. Okay? Let's they they're probably not going to end up with I don't know if they're going to end up with number 1. Where are they at right now? I'm just going to go to They're at pick here. 6 and they're two games behind the first overall pick. Okay, so, so it's possible. possible. So if they get the worst record in the league, they're guaranteed a top 4 pick. Um in that case, I definitely do not move that for Aaron Gordon. But, okay, so let's assume they're going to get a, four, a top four pick. They're going to get a difference maker. They're going to get a very good rookie. Laurie Markin is going to get better. Chris Dunn is going to get better. Zach Levine is going to get better. So the 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 pick next year is probably closer to, what, 9, 10, maybe 11? So do you gamble? And do you go, you can have our 2019 pick? For Aaron Gordon with a top three protection. I think what Orlando says says to that is no, we're not doing that deal. We want to see if we're dealing someone like Gordon, who is still young at twenty two, mm. we want to see something that's going to impact this roster for the next season. We don't want to be waiting another twelve months for a future pick that may or may not convert. So yeah, I don't think that deal goes down. 
it depends on what they have on the table. Like if if everything they've gotten in has been underwhelming, and this deal is clearly the best, and they're they're not really interested in in re-signing him as it is, then it might be a good idea because if they re-sign him to a much larger deal, like a hundred million dollars or eighty million dollars, whatever. That value is going to reflect that. Like his trade value is going to reflect that because whenever you sign for big money, your trade value goes a little bit down. So maybe, yeah, I mean, just maybe that's true. But look, I, I just don't see it personally. I'm yeah. pouring the uh, the cold water on your idea, yeah. as I always do. Yeah, but but at least this one it wasn't entirely unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. no, it's worth like if if, they, if you get the offer. You're not going to hang up the phone. You're at least going to go, okay, well, it's decent value, but the problem, which you alluded to as well, it's the pick is 12 months away. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the sticking point. Yeah, but, um, exactly. Look, I don't think there's going to be a deal between the Bulls and the Magic in relation to Gordon as much as I'd want to see it. But, uh, you know, as I said before, stranger things have happened, but uh, we shall see. But look, we've been going on for a bit here, so let's try to wrap up the next few questions that I did receive from listeners in the next 10 minutes or so. So I've got a few here and uh, let's get through them. So the first one comes in from TMAC23 on Twitter. So uh, random question here, but he asks, what are your thoughts on Terrence Ferguson? Any inside info from Aussie ties worth going after? So what are TMAC23 sort of referring to here is Terrence Ferguson actually played in the NBL last season, which is the, I guess, the pro league here in Australia. And um, I don't really have anything, any inside info. I haven't necessarily loved what I've seen from him. OKC, would you go off, Would you go after him there, Mort? Oh, um, I I would have, but not right now, because given that Andre Roberson went down, his value is, his trade value has gone up from the perspective of OKC. OKC is going to ask for a little bit more to to release him i think and also he's 19 and superbly athletic that in itself is going to cost a lot now i mentioned justin holiday going to okc if you could build a package surrounding justin holiday for for terence ferguson and okc bites on that i don't think they do but if they did sign me the hell up like immediately but i don't think they will yeah, I agree with you 100%. They're a capped-out team. They're going to be paying a lot for their roster. They don't have a lot of future picks, so they need some guys on cost-controlled contracts, mm-hmm. which Terrence Ferguson is, and he projects to be a 3-and-D player on the wing there. So I don't think they would necessarily give him up, and I don't think a deal exists for the Bulls. But like Mott said, if it can happen, go for it, but I don't yeah. think it's possible. So uh, thanks for your question there, T Knack. The next couple come through or coming through are in relation to the draft. So, and they're all about Trey Young. So, from uh, at also Connor on Twitter, he asks, Can the Bulls draft Trey Young? And would he be able to play next to Levine? The guard defense would be so, so bad. Ignoring the done question altogether, um, would you think about doing it more? Because having them together, Levine and, and Trey Young, that is, it would be a pretty mm. fun pairing. So, w- what's your response there to uh, to Connor? Oh, okay. can I just like copy and paste what we talked about last time around regarding Trey Young? Because yeah, yeah the the thing here is, 
defensively, he hasn't been good, but a lot of that has to do with... He's a freshman. Like, he's coming from high school to college, and he's being asked to score 30 points a game and average 10 assists, which, by the way, hi, he's doing. Um, So that leaves very, very little energy to play defense. I mean, they are asking so much out of him offensively. We realistically do not have any clue what his defense is like because he just does not have any sample size to play defense like or he has no energy to it so we have no sample size or no data on his defense like if he uh goes into private workouts near the draft and he goes to the combine or whatever and they they play like these scrimmages and, and all that and he just because he's surrounded by guys guys who can score he and he starts defending his ass off like okay then i'm in but right now like we only know about 50% of his game which is incredibly low. What we do know about those 50% is that that's awesome. Like offensively, he's an, he's an NBA guard already. He's he's amazing. He's going to be one of those guys who's going to average a ton of points, average a lot of assists. So offensively, he's he's probably already there, which is ridiculous to think about because he's averaging Jimmer for dead numbers in his freshman season. I mean, it's it's not it's not even logical what he's doing. But given we don't know anything about his defense, I'm wary of it. We don't. We, we just don't have any idea so far. I would love to see the pairing offensively, but good lord, I'm so nervous defensively because Zach Levine has been dreadful, especially off the ball. Like he has been so bad that I am going. I, I've actually put a cap on what I would pay personally if I was the Bulls. On Sacklevine's new deal, which is 15 million a year tops, simply because of his defense. It is so horrific. I'm pretty sure my dead grandmother could rotate better. And combine that <laughs> um, with. This podcast just got really dark. Yeah. Com- com- <laughs> combining. Well, she could see patterns. Like she knitted. So she could she could read and see patterns. Sack can't. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, sure. And com- putting Trey Young into that that position, and with with us having no clue whatsoever about his defensive capabilities, is not something I'm fond of. But yeah, like he said it, offensively speaking, good lord, right? It would be beautiful offensively, but um, like you said, it's sort of it is it is a pretty a pretty scary proposition defensively. And I'm, I'm going to contradict myself here because something I've been. I guess pushing is the fact that the Bulls need to take the best player available with their draft pick, not not be considering fit at all. But um, I, where I do contradict that take a little bit is the fact that they do have Zach Levine around and they obviously have Chris Dunn around. And, you know, if you put Trey Young at point guard with Levine there at shooting guard, I do worry about that defensively. And even though we haven't seen really, I guess, what Trey Young can do defensively he doesn't necessarily have the athletic or body profile to suggest he could be a good defender right so it does scare me there so i don't love it connor i don't love their their fit together and another question we did receive about trey young is his fit on this roster so this one comes in from andy Carnes, and he's asking about the fit on trey young on this roster which we've sort of touched on but i guess his follow-up question is would he be able to play shooting gun shooting guard rather, next to Chris Dunn at point guard. I think that fit is a lot better together than Levine and and uh, and Young himself. Yeah. I mean, 
Chris Dunn would have to be the shooting guard in that scenario, I think, because I don't think you want to have Trey Young out there guarding twos. No, Dunn would definitely guard the two. Yeah. And I guess they could play a combination of who runs the offense, but oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Dunn would definitely is, guard the two. Yeah, offensively, it's it's kind of like Brad Stevens' system, like no position system, positionless basketball. So that I wouldn't worry about it offensively at all. It would strictly be defense. But now you just you you know you just said something which in, which is interesting. You actually said that you know you wouldn't draft for for need or whatever, but you would factor in that the Bulls had Dunn and Levine already. So where does that leave you if the Bulls win number one and Luka Doncic is right there? So hold that point because I've got another question around okay. fit and and with the draft pick. We'll come back to that because I think it's a really interesting point to raise. But yeah, yeah, I kind of I prefer the fit with Dunn and Young than I do Young and Levine. But obviously you've got Levine uh, entering free agency, and as the Bulls have said, they want him to be, well, they want him around, they're wanting to pay for him, and as I, we mentioned before, they're positioning him to be the franchise guy, at least the face of the franchise. So. Yeah, I don't love it. But another young question that we did get through more comes from uh, Jay Frey4 on Twitter. He asks, can we draft Trey Young outright if he's in the top three? And his follow-up to that question is, do you take him over Bagley and Porter? And, you know, if for whatever reason the Bulls happen to end up with the sixth pick and yeah. their Pelicans pick ends up at number 11, if for whatever reason the Bulls are outside of the top three and Trey Young is sort of heading towards that top three, do you make that package deal and try to get a trade there for Young and try to get into the top three to take him? Oh, a lot of Trey Young love. This is interesting. A lot no. of Trey Young love. I've got yeah. a few questions here from Trey Young, which I didn't expect, but, um, but you know, the Bulls fans are definitely all in on Trey Young, it seems. No, yeah, I mean, look, look, he's he's great. I wouldn't package uh, two picks to go up for Trey Young. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I would. I would package two picks to go up, or two picks to go up for DeAndre Ayton and Luka Doncic. Uh, not that that is realistic at all, because no one. If 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 someone else outside of the Bulls wins number one, it's Luka Doncic, and they're not giving him up for the next fifteen years. So, I mean, yeah, I I don't think that's possible. Or I think it's possible. I don't think you should do it. Uh, I should say. And in regards to drafting Trey Young over Michael Porter and Marvin Backley, now that is a very good question. Over Marvin Backley? Yeah, prob- probably. Yeah, I-, I probably do that. Over Michael Porter? That's the tough one because he, he played, what, two minutes? I'm not sure. We we do we have no data on Michael Porter as a as a college player. We would have to solely rely on data from high school. So what you're essentially is going up is what you what you're debating is: Do you take a guy who's <laughs> who's averaging thirty and ten in his first season in college, uh, or a guy who's barely played in college? And and then just looking at his physical profile on one mind you with back issues, which is incredibly um suspect because or not suspect that's the wrong word but that's it's it's i'm a little bit nervous about michael porter because if you have back injuries then it becomes a concern those can linger a whole lot and they can ruin a player's body completely so i'm not sure what you do i do think you take him over marvin backley because i i just see so many red flags with backley but good lord michael porter that's the big one 
All I can say is I know I'm not taking him over DeAndre Ayton. That's what I can yeah. say. That's fair. That's fair. So I think you've covered that one off nicely. So let's let's skip ahead and let's get let's revisit that the question that you were going to raise to me because I actually got that question question asked to me by uh, Kevin Escalona here on Twitter. He asks, with Nico gone and Lopez likely to be traded, we are probably going to be a high pick. Do you mm. think we should draft for fit or talent? So I think this is an interesting question. I've sort of made my point around it, even though I contradicted myself slightly. I think that Bulls should be oh, taking sure the best all. player avail- available. But um, what do you think? Never draft for need or you know for position. Never. Never, never. That's what free agency is for. You yeah, definitely not with the top pick. Oh yeah, yeah. Like no, I mean, <clears throat> I, 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 look. If you are a team that has like four or five draft picks in a draft, then the last one, sure. Why not? If you felt like you've hit home run on every pick, otherwise, sure. But if I was a GM, I would, I would. That would be my religion. That would be don't draft for a need. That's what free agency is for. Draft the guy who you think is going to be the best player, has the best potential, has the best mindset, you know, the the best game, whatever, however you want to twist it. Just get the best player, regardless of position. Uh, and then if if you end up drafting five centers, then you work it out somehow. Then you, you try to develop all five and then you trade them off each by each by making the roster fit. Because... That's what you should do. The Sacramento Kings, to their credit, tried this. That just didn't work because they drafted bad players. But yeah, you should always go for for best player available, always, or best potential available, however you you know you prefer it. And and to me, Luka Doncic, like if you get number one, you don't go. Oh well, we kind of have Zach Levine at the two, so we shouldn't draft Luka Doncic. That would if that happened, like if the Bulls won number one and they did not draft Luka Doncic and Garpax came out in the media afterwards and said, Well, we we felt that we wouldn't want to draft a player into sack spot, I would probably write a very harsh article where I would call the words that I don't believe yet to exist in the English language. Because you're Danish. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, look, I, I agree 100%. I think you're definitely right there. But um, in relation to Doncic, but also about you know drafting on talent not fit, particularly if you do have that number one pick. So hopefully that answers your question there, Kevin. So I've got two more for you, Mort. So let's try to get these through these ones quickly. So uh, this one comes from Folks on Twitter. He asks, would the Bulls get a Knicks first round pick for Robin Lopez and Blakeney? I think we both know the answer to this one. Oh, no, no. No, no, unfortunately, that would be great. It would be beautiful to get that Knicks first-round pick, which would definitely be a lottery pick for, for Robin Lopez and Antonio Blakely, but, uh, Blakeney, rather, but it's not going to happen, I'm afraid, there, folks. But uh, look, keep speaking into existence. This has been my theme for 2018. Let's speak it into existence, and um, let's try to get that pick, that number one pick for the Bulls. But, you know, if you want, also want to speak into existence, a, a Robin Lopez and Antonio Blakeney trade for a Knicks pick, then let's do it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to have any chance of getting up, unfortunately, there, there folks. But um, last question here for you, Mort, and this yeah. one's sort of up your alley. It's one of these big trade type ones. Yeah, yeah. This one comes in from at Chicago Bulls 45. He asks, 
let's just say we trade Dunn for a first round pick, and that that trade that we do make for Dunn is for the uh, you know a lottery pick, and the Bulls take someone like Colin Sexton. How do you feel about the Bulls drafting Michael Porter Jr. with their pick, getting in Sexton at number twelve, and maybe someone like Robin Williams? A Robert Williams, rather, with the Pelicans pick. Would you make this move if you were the Bulls and you know create a starting lineup of Sexton, Levine, Porter Jr., Williams, and Larry Markkinen? Would you do that more? Wow, that's uh... this one is definitely a more type question. Yeah, that, but, but wow, that's that's definitely rookie loving. Um, it's it's very specific names because I, I already I know where I stand on certain rookies. Um, and I probably wouldn't target those guys specifically, but I mean, <laughs> it's it would at least get the rebuilding off to a a pretty interesting start, wouldn't it? It definitely would be interesting. It would yeah. be interesting. It's um, I'm not sure how realistic it is. No, I but, don't uh, think look, it is. I, but... I like the fact that um, the Chicago Bulls 45 out here. He's he's showing some initiative yeah, there about acquiring another pick, but um. It would mean moving Chris Dunn, so I guess it depends on oh, how yeah, you the, feel about Chris I mean, Dunn. I know you're against that. I think if the if the, yeah, it's basically a Colin Sexton for for Chris Dunn, Chris Dunn swap, pretty much. Yeah. So I'm actually gonna reference you a little bit. You you and I wrote together a while back, and you mentioned, "Oh, I wish that Chris Dunn was just two years younger." Oh, yeah. how I wish he was just two years younger. Yeah, I mean, Colin Sexton is 19, so you kind of get a, a reboot at the point guard position, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. He's a great scorer. He's got a great physical profile. He's very athletic. He's He doesn't have the defensive potential that Chris Dunn has, but at the other side of the coin, you can also argue that Dunn is probably pretty close to reaching his ceiling, unfortunately, because of his age. Whereas Colin Sexton has another, what, four to five years to reach where he's going. So it becomes a question what do you where you put your, your your money. Like do you do you want to go all in on the future or do you want to see what Chris Dunn can do? Yeah, I think that's a good wrap up of, of what this trade pretty much entails. I probably mm-hmm. don't do this deal. Uh, I would rather keep the I would rather keep Dunn. I don't think Colin Sexton necessarily falls to say pick twelve anyway, so I don't think this trade yeah, or this idea would necessarily work. So maybe if Sexton was around at 12, maybe you can engineer something, but I don't think he's going to be going anywhere um, close to 12. I think he stays inside the top 10 as per my draft board. But, um, you know, I like the initiative, as I said before, thinking outside the box. This is what we need, and um, hopefully the Bulls yep. front office are doing the same. But, um, what, look, I appreciate you coming on. We've gone on long here. We've definitely covered off what the Bulls could be doing at the trade deadline. We've also sort of touched, touched on here what they could be doing on the draft. Obviously, the trade deadline is 48 hours away, but Bulls fans have still got their eyes on their prize here, thinking about the draft, thinking about Trey Young and all these sorts of guys. So interesting to get all your takes. I really appreciate everyone's questions, um, but I also appreciate you, Mort, for coming on the show. So uh, tell every tell everyone listening where they can follow you online. They can follow me on Twitter at MSJNBA, and I made that up myself, unlike your handle, Mark. Don't know what you're talking about, um, yep. but yes, you can definitely catch Morton at MS, MSJNBA on yeah. Twitter, and you can also tune into his NBA podcast, which, which is entitled called Mort, yeah. the NBA pod. <laughs> the NBA Genius. podcast. It, Genius. So I don't know if I even told you why, 
But that's because you know, I have two media degrees behind me. And one of the things that I keyed on pretty early was search engine optimization. And I realized that every time, you know, an NBA podcast out there was made, it was always called something like the pick and roll podcast or the fast break breakfast or whatever, you know, it was pretty creative. And I kind of searched and I, I thought, does anyone just have a podcast called the NBA podcast? Because that would come up pretty high on Google. And no one did. Well, there you go. Thinking outside of the box, but also thinking very logically. But I, I did like how you casually just dropped. I've got two media degrees just uh, yeah. just in a casual sentence there. So no, very humble of you there, more. I know. The reason I mention it is because currently those media, those degrees are used to nothing because I'm, I'm unemployed. And if someone out there was going, you know, I, I like what he's saying, maybe we should hire him. And I just wanted to let them know, you know, I, I have... The education behind me so if you're interested oh well, I, and i'm sure with my platform my huge reaching oh, yeah, yeah. platform that oh, there's yeah. a lot of media personnel global. out there yeah. listening to this podcast and oh, thinking absolutely. i've really got to hire this sport and jensen i know so um, that's why i came on actually it was for your global spanning audience so <laughs> you know or i inter, inter intergalactic audience i'm sh- pretty sure that the martians are listening in they may be and they're probably the only ones that are going to hire you at the moment (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you thank you oh by by the way mark before we wrap up really really quickly um is it okay that i kind of force you a little bit to invite me back before the draft because i have some pretty pretty big draft hot takes that i'm pretty sure that you'll love so is well, there... look. I mean, you've you've already casually dropped the fact that you have two media degrees. So uh, oh. you're, you're inviting yourself <laughs> back on here. So, <laughs> oh, um, look, yeah. I'm more than happy for you to jump on my platform and uh, expose yourself to the world on my platform come draft time. So I think I'm we glad. can make that reality I'm so a glad. reality there, my friend. Uh, oh, but look, we'll good. have you back on come the draft time. But again, appreciate you jumping on this one with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always so fun going back to to the Dennis Potman well. Definitely is fun, and hopefully this trade deadline is fun. So Bulls fans will be back to wrap up the trade deadline in the coming days. Hopefully there's some action there for the Bulls, but I'll be back with another pod covering the trade deadline after that. But uh, until then, thank you for joining me. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.